Oh, it's already recording? Wow, this is big. This is a big day. What is happening? (laughs) No, exactly. What is happening? This is a big day because everything is going well. I don't know if you... Now, the people that listen... First of all, thank you for listening. I'm going to... This is a cold, what we call a cold open here. Oh, cold open. Yeah, you write that on your notes. And, you know, I don't know what it is, but it sounds cool. What's a cold cold. open? It means you don't really... You come right into a show and you don't really set it up. You just come in cold. And so Rainy and I, you know... We don't have a ton of time to talk before the show, but we talked just now and it was a good show and I'm sorry you missed it. But let's start the actual show. <laughs> oh, my goodness. I just spilled coffee all over myself. One second. Okay, you, you can do, keep I'm going with fill. the cold I'm open. Fill. Yes, Phil, yeah. Phil. This is the fill, cold please. open. She's got a hot coffee, and I've got a cold open. So there's going to be a high-pressure system coming in. And you can get it from the West or the East. Listen, this is the emotional forecast. Tonight, dark mood, very dark. Depression is coming. And then from the East, we're going to have a, a high-pressure system, which is going to be people are going to be getting hot. No, I can't thank you enough for tuning in. This is Dear Anxiety. Let me tell you a little bit about Dear Anxiety. Saying what, you know, why Dear Anxiety? Why not like crazy anxiety? Because we try to have a relationship with difficult, with emotions and feelings and thoughts that previously were thought to be, you know, adversarial. Nobody wants to feel anxious. Right, but this show is all about how. Okay, I'm we back. Relate. Have you been filling this whole time? I have, and I. Jeez been, Louise, I'm, what have I'm you been on, talking about? I'm on a good roll. I was talking about why we call it dear anxiety because usually you wouldn't say dear ang- you wouldn't say like dear frustration, but you. But you but should. You should because the show is all about how we relate to our thoughts and feelings. It's not that the feelings are good or bad or indifferent, whatever. But it's what? How do we treat it? How do we relate to our mental health? How do we relate to our emotional health and our so well-being good yeah Ugh, it yes. feels good it feels real now okay i think we can start the show wait is this the opening are we starting i yes. think it is i think I'm it is i think you have open. begun we, yeah yes we have begun okay it, it, keep going is, it's this good is, this is what it is <laughs> you know it today we're gonna be looking into social media parents relationship to it parents and kids relationship to it what can we do about social media what do we do with social media and how can we use it as a tool to connect us to well-being is is that possible i think it is we're going to talk about that today now my partner my friend is well she's amazing she's an educator she has a company called GoZen, and GoZen teaches resilience skills to kids and parents around the world through online programs, through animation, and through creative play. And it, it's a fantastic company. That's how I met her originally. And she has a degree in applied positive psychology from the University of Pennsylvania. And Rini, what comes up for you when I say social media? Technology addictions and our kids and this is a practice for everyone right yeah the other day i was outside of a coffee bean and tea leaf maybe there'll be a sponsor but but the other day i was outside and it was a beautiful day and there were about i want to say 15 people inside the coffee bean and tea leaf beautiful sunshiny day we're in california folks there's it's pretty nice out here okay Not one person didn't have their face pressed in a phone. Everyone was looking down into a small box that they held in their hand. And the problem is, I'm not bad-mouthing social media. I think it's a great tool. 
But the world is infinite. The world is much bigger than a small box. Yet people are focused on the smallness of a small box and believing that the answers are in that box, not in the outside world. And that is an issue. That is an issue. Yeah, so, you know, it does kind of make me sad when I see that. And I have that seen that kind of scene many a time. It has made me sad. But I do realize we're not here to demonize technology or try to put the genie back in the bottle or say that all of those people who are standing in the coffee and tea leaf place that you are referring to were not connecting with other people. But we are here to talk about this is a conversation. This is a conversation about what is going on with technology and social media and how can we use it most mindfully? You know, and I feel like in this episode in particular, we're going to lean on expertise of a lot of different experts to get the conversation going and opened up. Are you good with that, Ed? Uh, totally good with it. I, I, want, I, I think it's a very important conversation. Absolutely. You know, I'll get emotional. I'll lean one way or the other because I grew up in a time when I'm 9,000 years old and I grew up in a he time is, when- indeed. I'm not kidding. Yeah. Dirt hadn't been invented. And so when I grew up, there was no distraction from having conversation or from being around your family. You played in the street and it just was not, there was no social media. Yeah, social was just being social around other people. Whether you wanted to or not, this is what you had to do. And I feel like so I feel like social media, it's a practice, just like mindfulness is a practice or well-being is a practice. This is a practice. And the practice what I'm concerned about is not what it does for you. I'm concerned about what it takes you away from, mm. what it disconnects you from, nature, other people, being in groups, interacting with groups, interacting with community live. I'm talking about, you know, physical community. I just don't think there's a substitute for that. But but it's a great tool. Look, I can talk to somebody in Israel and I'm not in Israel. I'm here now. That's fantastic. Yes. I mean, it is an amazing tool. It's a way that I have stayed connected with my very, very, very large Indian family all over the world, a way for me to be present in activities that I may not have been able to, a way to stay connected for our kids as well, right? A way that, to stay connected. But as you said, and I love what you said, Ed, that social media is a practice. I don't think that's ever been said before. I think that we should really think about that because one of the things that I think we really need to think about when it comes to our devices, when it comes to interacting in social media, is who's in charge? Is it are we in charge, we as the person, or is the device, the technology, or the avenue, are they our masters? And I think that this is so important because attention is such a valuable, valuable thing. And we were you know, talking about how we're going to lean on some experts. So there's a lot of material out there that is so helpful to read about, to figure out what's going on with social media, what's going on with our kids. You know, I know that parents write to us all the time. How much is too much time? You know, how much should how much should my kid be on the screen? How is it affecting them? How is it related to anxiety? So I want to talk about what the experts who are really researching this field are saying. So there was a book called Irresistible, great name, uh, by Adam Alter. 
And he talks about this this book. I said, we're not going to demonize technology and social media. I think this book may lean in that direction, but it's really about behavioral addiction, which I think, you know, the field is pretty young still. He talks about this idea of you versus a thousand. So anytime you're on the phone or on your technology or your child is, it's you versus a thousand tech engineers who have been paid to try to get your attention. I think he makes this really poignant, you know, the idea about Steve Jobs coming out at an Apple event in the very beginning when he was launching the iPad in 2010. And he was saying, you know, it's the best way to browse the web. It's going to be better than any laptop. It's way better than the smartphone. It's such an incredible experience. It's phenomenal. But what we know about Steve Jobs especially from his biographer who would go visit his home to you know, help him write a story, is that he wouldn't let his kids use the device. They never used an iPad, right? And there's so many techno-lovers, technocrats that were in their home life were like technophobes. And I thought it was such a, it's such a beautiful way that he explained this, Adam, I'm talking about in this book, Irresistible, is, you know, imagine someone who was the head of a religion not letting their kids practice the religion, Fascinating. Fascinating. I had to research something and I had to go back and look at Steve Jobs the first time that he came on CBS. They were interviewing him about the personal computer. And he said, it's amazing. He said, everyone is going to have one of these in their homes someday. And he, this is what he said. He said, it will be very seductive. He didn't say it's going to change the world. He didn't say it's going to be the best tool that we've ever discovered. He didn't say it's going to connect people. He said it will be very seductive and everyone will have one in their homes. Yes, seductive. Good word. And I just want to read another piece from Adam from his book about addictions. He says addictions are damaging because they crowd out other essential pursuits. From work and play to basic hygiene and social interaction, the good news is that our relationship with the behavioral addictions aren't fixed. There's much we can do to restore the balance that existed before the age of smartphones, emails, wearable tech, social networking, and on-demand viewing. The key is to understand why behavioral addictions are so rampant, how they capitalize on human psychology, and how to defeat the addictions that hurt us and harness the ones that help us. So this is a lot of what you're talking about, Ed. It's a balance. This is a tool, okay? I don't worship the hammer. The hammer is a tool that I can, but I don't walk around looking at a hammer all day. And what I'm saying by that is I could have a more fulfilling interaction with a stranger on the street by having a two-minute conversation with them than I can from looking at my Facebook feed. Well, you may know that because you have had the experience of living pre-technology, as have I, right? I'm no spring chicken. Actually, you know how you know I'm no spring chicken because I use the word spring chicken. Like no one (laughs) (laughs) would use that. They're going to be like, what is Google? What is spring chicken? Is it in the Urban Dictionary? Well, that's how you know. Excellent term. That has to go in the notes for the show. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Mm -hmm. Those will be in the show notes. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Look up spring chicken. Listen, I have lived in an age before phones, et cetera. And so you know that, right? And And I feel like kids probably cognitively, somewhere in their mind, they know that too. But when you are seduced, as we said earlier, and you are behaviorally addicted to something, then it just becomes hard. So, you know, Ed and I aren't here to say, oh my goodness, things are evil. What we're here to do is we're here to look at what the experts are saying about the research. You know, there was a a really big report, the iGen report that came out a few years ago by a lady named Jean, I think it's Twenge. And her 
findings were so shocking. She found that kids are dating less because of their technology. Can you believe that? Dating less. And when in the in the history of humankind have have kids wanted or teens, you know, wanted to date less? That's unbelievable that they weren't seeking independence as previous generations. And that is unbelievable as well. I know that the only thing I wanted going into 11, 12, 13, you know, and in those teen years was my independence. And so what were they doing instead? Or what are they doing is many of them are often on their phone, often in their room, often alone, and in her findings, often distressed. You know, but again, we're not here as alarmists. We're here to look at, you know, what people are saying. So, you know, I think Ed and I are here today on Dear Anxiety to talk about what can we do with our kids and technology to make sure that they're using it for their greatest well-being. That, and that's a really good question. What, what is the greatest well-being for kids when it comes to technology? How do you connect with your kid and use it as an opportunity to create well-being in your family, in your home, in your own life? You know, we say practices a lot on the show. If you're avoiding something, that's a practice. If you're, if you're doing something because you feel like it's just automatic, it's become automatic in your life, it's a practice. And it can become not so automatic just by being conscious of it. Oh, look, I'm looking at my phone again. Huh, do I have to be looking at my phone right now? Or how am I going to connect with my, my kids looking at his phone or her phone? What do you say to somebody? How do you connect with them? So I'm curious, you know, and I'm actually putting this out there because I don't, I'm not sure. And so, Rini, I'll put it out to you. What kinds of things can we do to make conscious ways of connecting around and through social media. I think one of the things that you're talking about inherently in what you just said is the first practice. So there is an idea of metacognition, the ability for humans to think about the fact that they are thinking, that awareness. So just this idea, and, and Ed, I bet, will come up with some very clever way to say something like this instead of metacognition, like tech cognition, whatever it is. Right. You're, you should be consciously aware of your use of technology, because the problem is not the technology, right? The issue is that we go onto autopilot. So what do we do with our kids? It's not unlike what we need to do with them when it comes to just putting them, having them grow up as resilient, strong kids. And one of the first principles is to have them cultivate a very strong sense of self-awareness and a very strong inner voice because we have talked about this probably on previous episodes, I know definitely in the body image episode, when we go out into the world and we're afraid to show people who we really are, we're afraid to be our authentic selves, well, eventually it leads to wanting to fit in instead of cultivating a true sense of belonging. So our job as parents, as teachers, as cousins, as uncles, as grandparents, as grownups, raising collectively, this generation of kids is to help them really cultivate a very strong inner voice. And how does that relate to technology and social media? Well, they are able to show up, one, as who they are. And then two, they're able to really understand that when they see other things on social media, like their friends posting pictures of being at a party or they're, you know, someone else posting thing about an award that they won. 
they are able to have the understanding that who you really are is much grander than what you see on social media. So one practice that we can do with kids is to sit down and maybe draw a wheel Okay, and then draw like a actually draw pizza. So you have slices and in each of the slices, put the different domains of a child's life. So you can put school, you can put home, you can put friends and have them write down a few different traits, how they show up in those places. So for example, somebody was telling me the other day that my persona on an interview is a little bit different. So I do these summits and I interview people. My persona in an interview is different than my persona off an interview. And I said, what do you mean? And she said, well, you're kind of edgier <laughs> when you're when you're not interviewing. And I'm like, you mean I'm nicer when I'm interviewing? <laughs> and, she said, uh, uh. and she said, yeah, kind of. And I said, well, they're both parts of who I am. They're both authentic. So I'm not faking. When I'm in an interview, it's just I have my curiosity hat on and that's just who comes out. So we have different facets of who we are. And kids need to know how they show up in the world in those different areas. And why that helps is because they can see one, it's okay to bring out different strengths of character in different situations. But two, when they see things posted on social media, they know that's only a slice of the pie. The problem is, is that our internal personal world is often compared to someone's external world, right? So I'm comparing my insides and my feelings to your outsides and what you're posting on social media. So what we teach kids is, look, there's all different parts of you. So you can label this pie, you can label the top of the sheet, who are you? And let's get to know who we are. And this is a process. This is a practice. Yeah. And that's a great practice. And, and really, it's a great practice for kids, but it, it's a practice for everybody. It's a, you can do this right along with your kids, right alongside them. Because I think that as adults, we, we really do lose track of this. You know, kids are closer to it because they're closer to their own essence and experience. But I think everybody needs to do this. You know, who am I? You, you know, it's this checking in. Irene talks about the strong inner voice. So how do you develop a strong inner voice? Well, you start listening to your, you, you listen to yourself and you start questioning yourself, checking in. How do I feel? What's going on with me right now? Just the question, what's going on with me right now? Where am I? is a very good question for anybody at any age. What am I doing? I'm looking on I'm looking at my phone. Is it something that do I like it? Uh, do I like this experience right now? Is there something else I'd rather do at the moment? Maybe there is. Is there some other way to is there something else I can do? These are things that people don't do. You know, it takes practice. It takes practice, but it can be rejuvenating almost immediately. So it's not like you have to practice it for 21 days to make a habit. It's like the 21-day myth to create a habit. It can be instantly rejuvenating and bring you back into, ground you essentially, bring you back into who you are. So I think that this idea that you're talking about is, it's relates to emotions because when it comes to emotions, I always say that, listen, emotions are important. They're sending you a message, right? I say to kids, it's like a text message being sent to your soul. You have to listen. What is the message sending you? However, even though the emotion is sending you a message, it's not your master. And so technology is also not our master. So how do we get back in the driver's seat? How do we take back control? And the first step, again, is self-awareness. So just say, you know, talking to your device, hey, who's in charge? I'm in charge. I'm in charge of my attention. Uh, of my attention and intention, frankly. <laughs> mm -hmm. And, sure. you know, um, speaking of which, 
Speaking of intention, I wanted to actually play a clip from a summit that we have coming up called the Happy Child Summit. Now, I don't know, Ed, if you can give a little description because you've been a participant of these summits, if you can give a little description of kind of what a summit experience is like. Yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty interesting. It's a community of experts who are interviewed and they talk. It's kind of, it has aspects of a TED Talk, but with an interview. So Rini is interviewing these experts from all different fields. And it's a community of people who come together to talk on specific areas, specific topics about that subject. This upcoming one will be happiness. And you get to a sense of things that you can do about those topics. And they're all topics of well-being. They're all topics of well-being. So this one is the Happy Child Summit. And we had an expert on named Amy Blankson. And she talks about mindful technology. And she did something interesting. She bought 500 different pieces of technology to test before she wrote this book on mindful technology and mindful technology practices. And I just wanted to play you a clip of her interview from the Happy Child Summit. I got my skin into the game by literally testing everything um, I got pricked. I got um, my my skin pulled off by Velcro adhesives. I mean, I, I really got into it. And I did that because I wanted to do the research that nobody ever gets to do. Nobody has the time, unless you're writing a book on this, to actually try out 500 gadgets. Um, and, I, and I don't recommend it. <laughs> um, <laughs> but what I learned from this process was that there's some wonderful technologies out there and there's some really distracting technologies, really, really distracting. In fact, I get to see those all the time and what's emerging. And, and some of them frighten me, to be honest. But I, I do think that there's a fine line where we can learn how to use technology well. And for it's, what I say is it's best and highest purposes, which means that I'm not an advocate for completely unplugging from technology. I feel like in this digital era, technology is ubiquitous. It's all around us and it's not going anywhere. So we have to learn how to walk this better. And when we're thinking about the strategies for how to do so, I walk through in my book five different strategies for how to do this. And they are stay grounded, know thyself, train your brain, create a habitat for happiness, and uh, use conscious innovation. So it all comes back, if I was going to distill the book for you into a short sentence here, it all comes back to intention. How intentional are you about your behavior? Are you thinking about the where you're using it, when, why, how, um, or are you just using it? It's reflexive. You pick up your phone because it dings and, and you let it determine whether or not you get your attention. Yeah. That's, that's, she's fantastic. That's very interesting. Yeah, it's really exciting. In the interview, she is actually going to talk about all five of those things and, you know, bring to light some great practices. So if you guys are interested in hearing 20 experts for totally free, it's actually running on April 8th through the 11th. And if you're listening to this podcast after those dates, no problem, because the recordings will be available to purchase. But you can go to happychildsummit.com. We've had the opportunity to talk to lots and lots of experts on happiness and what is happiness and how do we cultivate it in our kids. But I wanted to, you know, play that clip because Amy's an expert and let's talk about some other ways that we can help our kids, you know, have the right intention about their attention. So if I'm a parent and I am a parent, so what can I do 
What's the conversation around social media? We say intention. So how do you how do you have this conversation? She also says conscious innovation, which is very interesting. Stay grounded. That's very interesting. That I mean, so important. How do you do these things? Yeah. How do you do these things? I think that we explicitly talk to our kids about why we are doing certain things, right? So there's some things that we need to do in our environment. If I have my phone next to me and I accidentally fall asleep next to it, which is something I try to never do, then I have created an environment where it's very conducive for me to hear a buzzing in the middle of the night and literally have it wake me up. That's not a good environment. So we need to, of course, structure our our environment so as to not to play to these addictions that frankly, almost all of us have. If you have if you have some kind of device, it's pretty easy to get addicted to it. That's what the research shows. So create an environment where that's not so easy, both for your kids and for yourselves. So that's one thing, environmental. All environment also in includes creating rules like whatever those rules may be that are right for your family. When we're connecting at dinner time, then we don't have our devices. When we're doing this, we do do this, we don't do this. When we go to sleep at night, we don't have our devices. So those kind of things. But in terms of attention and intention, I like what my friend and colleague Elijah Goldstein talks about questions that you can ask yourself when it comes to your technology. So I just want to pose some of these questions and things that we can talk to our kids about asking themselves. You might have to tweak them depending on the age of your kid. But he says, here are some of those questions. In what ways does my relationship to technology distract me or stress me out? What information am I taking in? that isn't nourishing to my life or well-being? Do I use tech to cover up my loneliness? Does my relationship to technology take me away from friends and family? And then questions that you can ask, how do I or can I use technology to take care of myself? So on the upside, how do I or can I use technology to help me foster connection? Let's gather a community right now and how do you use that technology for good? So these are some questions that we can talk about with our kids that they can begin to ask themselves. Because as Dr. Goldstein says, for many of us, tech creates something he refers to as micro disconnections from ourselves and from our loved ones and really from the beauty of the world. As we know, it also has the power to facilitate connection, but I don't think it happens if you just pick up your phone or you stare at your laptop or you play a game without really being aware and taking a pause and checking in with yourself, asking these questions and beginning to bring these questions up with your kids. Yeah, that's fantastic. You go through some inquiry just to be conscious and aware of what this piece of equipment is doing for you. What is it doing for you? So, you know, kids naturally, they're on Instagram or they're looking something up or they're talking to a friend or they're in some messaging, whatever they're doing. And you can say, what do you love about this? What is it doing for you? What do you love about this subject? What do you love about this piece of cake that this person is posting? And you can start, well, there are things that I love about it. First of all, I like pictures, okay? And you get into a dialogue with them about what it is that they love. And then all of a sudden, you can connect on that level and share things on that level. Because one thing about social media is, is it something that you can share with somebody? Oftentimes I'll be talking with my daughter and I want to show her something. Usually it's a video of some kind. It's something that's inspiring or funny. 
in, in our case. How do you practice that? So the first thing that we're saying is that Elisha, yeah, he's, uh, and I've, I've seen his, his videos and they're great, Elisha Goldstein. So question your kids and ask them, and you can ask these questions to yourself. You can write them down. You can compare notes. And have so them ask themselves, right? And if they say to you or they look at you and they're like, mom or dad or, you know, uncle, like, come on, I'm not going to ask myself that question. That is, that's cheesy. Then you can say, I totally get that. How would you phrase the question if you were asking it? Let me Help me make it more tween friendly. Yeah, that's great. How would you phrase it? What would you ask? What would I you mean, ask? I mean, I think you can rally around, what is this doing for me? What do I love about this? Yeah. Oh, you absolutely. Know? You can start on the upside for sure. You know, what do I love about this? What is this giving to you? Because obviously, if we go in, <laughs> with, what is this not doing for you? Our kids might resist and we know we're not going to build a connection with them and allow for open conversation if they feel like we're coming in trying to crack down on their tech use. This is something that needs to be done saying, hey, you know, I'm kind of doing these things for myself because I notice. And another thing that you can work on is you can talk about how it affects your body. So a lot of people talk about, listen, how much should we limit screen time? I mean, American Pediatric Association has guidelines. And frankly, EPA, if you're listening, I do not agree with them. But in any case, I think it's up to upwards of two hours a day for two years old or older. And I think that's a lot. That's my frank opinion. But in any case, so our kids are on technology and they're using it all the time. But asking kids instead of saying, listen, you're only allowed to be on for 15 minutes, we can say to them, how does your body feel? Are your eyes watering? Are you, is your thumb starting to hurt from scrolling up and down, sure. right and left? Are you getting an ache in your back? Because really your body can tell you what is enough. I have been on, I've been on my phone at times where I'm like, this is exhausting me. You can feel it. Yeah, you can feel it. And it's monotony and your brain is going, is going into mush and mush territory and we all do it. You know, we all do it. So just because we do it and we're not conscious of it doesn't mean it's not a practice. Yes. There are, there are many unconscious practices, but realize, you know, and I'm saying this to myself, I'm not saying it to you, I'm saying it to myself. I need to realize that even though something has gone underground because I do it all the time, it doesn't mean it's not a practice. I'm actually practicing something, which means I could practice something different if I, if I became conscious, right? Yeah. So what we know from neuroscience is that our brains are malleable and that we auto, you know, automaticity is a very important thing for us. Otherwise, every time we went to go pour a glass of water and drink it, we'd have to think really hard about grabbing the, you know, the Brita pitcher, pouring it, lifting up the glass, right? It becomes, everything becomes automatic after you do it over and over and over and over again. But you can take control back. There is an expert named Ethan, I think I'm going to butcher his last name, Nichtern, it's N-I-C-H-T-E-R-N. And he has some beautiful mindfulness exercises that you can use when it comes to using your technology. So he says, you know, you can set your intention essentially, before even opening your browser. Whoa, this takes pause. This is really what Ed and I call minding the gap. So before even opening your browser, think about, I'm going to say it in his words, think about the truth of interdependence and raise a compassionate intention toward everyone in your network you are about to connect with. Yes, this may be thousands of millions of people, but think about them before you do it. You could contemplate a traditional phrase like, may we all be at ease, but whatever you do, notice 
if you're if you've logged on before, you're even aware that you're logging on, you know, you can actually slow down and you can set an intention. And so this becomes much more much more of you being conscious of your practice with what you're doing. He also talks about practicing appropriate speech. So before hitting share or before hitting tweet, that you actually take a deep breath or three deep breaths and think to yourself or ask yourself, is this helpful? Is this an appropriate time to share? Am I the appropriate person to share it? And is this really true? So I love these I love these mindfulness practices that you can use with your technology and it seems kind of cuckoo because I feel like when we're using our technology especially social media that it's very rapid the amount of news coming out the, the the stuff in the news feeds the amount of posts that are going out but what this is to me is about slowing down and really thinking about it before we use it and being intentional I interviewed a guy named Frank Partnoy. He's a professor in San Diego, and he wrote a book called Wait, The Art and Science of Managing Delay. He talks about instant gratification and how social media can make us more animal and less human. And what he, because it's instant, we want it instantly. And what he's asking, what he mentions to people to do is the next time you get that thing that says, I have to send this email right now, got to happen right now. You ask yourself, do I really have to send it right now? And he says, wait and don't send it. Ah, I love that. Waiting. Practice, practice waiting. See, it's a practice. I, I had read a statistic that emails are looked at within six seconds of being received. Can you believe six seconds of being received? That's instant, essentially. So one environmental thing that we can do or one construct that we can change in our, you know, our overall infrastructure of our lives is to have times of the day when we check our email and then times of the day when we respond to email, whether that be three times a day, morning, middle of the day, you know, maybe end of the day, end of the workday or whatever it may be, because we are so <laughs> that ding goes off, however it may be, whether it's like the ding or it's a vibration. And we think, oh, my goodness, someone's written to me. I must write back, you know, right now. So what was the name of that book again, Ed? Because I think that's an awesome. Yeah, he's an interesting guy. It's it, the author is Frank Partnoy, P-A-R-T-N-O-Y. The book is called Wait. And then the subheading is The Art and Science of Managing Delay. Ah, beautiful, beautiful. You know, it's funny, at Stanford University, they have a calming technology lab. I love that, a calming technology lab. And the director of that lab named Nima Moraveji, he says that, because, you know, a lot of people are talking about unplugging. He says, it turns out that I have found it's really not about unplugging. It's about creating calm. And if you have a calmness in your body, in your mind, in your heart, that you don't have to be so strict about unplugging. And again, to me, all of this, all of this, right, is about taking back our attention and intention in a conscious way. Yeah, attention and intention, conscious. Those words are are really important. They're important for a parent especially, because everything becomes autopilot. It really does become autopilot. And we think that there, now certainly there are some things that need to be done and they need to be done in a timely fashion. But ask yourself, how many things need to be done without you taking a breath? How many things need to be done without you stopping for a moment? How many things need to be done without connecting with yourself and maybe asking a quick question, what's going on with me right now? What's, what's the state? Where am I? 
Where am I? Who am I? I mean, these are things that don't take a long time. And really, I learned this from acting years ago. You have all the time you need. No one's, there's no rush. You can take the time with auditioning and, and our brain tells us to speed up. But I learned from actors that they take the, all the time they need. And this is what Dr. Partnoy is, Professor Partnoy is talking about. He says, when a doctor is in an emergency room and he has one minute or she has one minute to make a decision, they don't make the decision in the first 10 seconds. They make it in the 58th second. They take all the time that they need before they make a choice. You have time, even if it's just a minute. Use the minute. I love that. I love that. So I think what we're getting at here is really taking back conscious choice of what we're doing with our technology, because, you know, as humans, we are directed to be autonomous and have control, really, of our own experience or as much as we can. And so don't let the technology control you, right? You can be in control of that experience. And then the question becomes, well, how do you get the buy-in of your kids without creating a battle in the home? And really, it's about having beginning to have open conversation beginning to try some of these practices yourselves as the grown-ups in the home, being conscious before you open your browser, really taking a few deep breaths before you share or tweet, and talking to your kids about who they are and how they show up in different environments, who's in charge, them or the technology, and is what they're doing online providing them meaning and purpose, or is it taking away meaning and purpose in other ways. And I think really the way, the only way to create buy-in from your kids is to be able to talk about it in an open way. Well, so if I'm a kid and Rini is my, pa is my parent and I'm on my phone, let's see how this might work. An intervention that she can do, a practice that she can do to connect with me in some way. So I'm on my phone. We'll we'll role play it. We'll just try. We'll role play. It. Let's role um, play it. Let's do yeah. it two ways. Okay. So we're gonna role okay, play so, it. Let's start. So this so this is the this is the way without any techniques, without any tools. We're just this is the typical kids on the phone. Parent comes in. Round one. Okay. Let me see. All right. Let's oh see. my oh, goodness, man. Adam, you're on your phone again. Come on. Yes, it's my phone. I'm just, I'm just, I'm connecting. I'm just checking. I'm, I, I just wanted to see You're who's on addicted. my Instagram feed. I wanted to check it out. Addicted. It's melting on your my brain. Leave me alone. This is my phone. I'm literally, it's my phone. Form a sentence because I would think that your entire brain has been melted. I've been talking to you about this. It's bad for you. I'm only. It's Instagram. It doesn't hurt anybody. All my friends are on it, and I'm on it's it. Just, so what's the big deal? It's not that you're on it. It's that you're on it all the time, to the exclusion okay. of everything else. Don't you want to go outside? There's okay. an outside world, you know, not just your room and your okay. phone. Okay, 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 okay. On, I'm Adam. just going to check one more thing. Uh, I just got one more thing. I just have to check this hand because the phone I, over. It, Hand it over. No. Hand it over. No. You're breaking the phone rules. Get out. Uh, I know. You're just no, hurting yourself. I'm, I'm just on the phone for another minute. I'm texting you. Oh, yeah. Nice. This is great. Oh, great. I can't have I anything. Do I can't have anything. Your life. I'm trying to help you. I can't have anything. I'm trying to help you. Can you leave me no. alone now, please? Fine. Bye. 
Well, that didn't work. Okay, so that is, that's, every person listening right now has had that conversation or I'm lack sorry. of it, right? <laughs> I feel bad. That's, that, that's the house, that's the house. right? Yes. That's where we live. That's where we live. Okay, so now let's try a take two, same, same scenario, and maybe with a little bit different approach. Round two. Hey, honey. How's it going? I see that you're on your phone. Yeah, I'm just, I'm just checking Instagram. Mm, just checking. Yeah. I see that. Yeah. How are you feeling? How's your, how's, you know, you had a little bit of a quirk in your back the other day. How's that feeling for you? Oh, it's okay. I'm just, you know, I'm just checking Instagram. No, no big deal. Yeah, no big deal. I hear you. I know. I was checking my stuff at work too, but now I'm mm. home, so I want to be you know, I want to be present with my cooking and hanging out with you guys. And I want to make sure that you're kind of doing the best that you can sort of for yourself and your body, especially since you were kind of hurting the other day. Well, yeah, but like Instagram has, you know, my friends are posting stuff right and left and I, it's hard, it's hard to even keep up with them, you know? Yeah, no, absolutely. I just want to make sure that you're checking in with yourself and that, you know, you you know when you can feel that enough is enough. I know that you know that. You're really kind of in touch with that. So yeah, I'm going to leave yeah. you to make that decision for yourself. Okay. Yeah. All right. What's one of the things well, that kind of tells you when you're done? I start to get like uh, bored a little bit. Oh, like, yeah. I that mean, happens to me. Like I'm seeing the <laughs> same stuff, right? Yeah. And what do, you get, what do you get bored of? Like what happens? You just start tuning out? Yeah, I'll just start staring at the phone yeah sometimes i'm just flipping through the phone and i'm like i don't even know what i'm looking at anymore does that happen to you it happens sometimes Mm. not all the time but it happens sometimes i totally get it so i have done this thing for myself where i'm just kind of i take a deep breath in the middle of just middle of scrolling through something just so i can remember to stop doing it if i don't want to I almost feel like my phone comes to life sometimes and it's trying to take over, you know, and I don't want my my phone to take over. So I just take a deep breath like this. And I'm like, okay, phone, I'm putting you down now. I talk to it. I mean, do it the way that it makes sense for you. But I guess what I'm trying to say is, is that you are in charge of your technology and not the other way around. Okay, so just make sure that you pay attention to your signs. Okay. Okay, mom. Okay. okay. All right. Thanks. I'm going to post something now. Um... Okay, honey. We have a winner. Love you. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I like to tie things up with a bow, you know? It's very yeah, nice. It's so me. nice. That, that was great. When Ed and I you do the second people... role play, we know in your homes it's all tied up nice and neat with a bow. <laughs> That's right. Everything is neat and everything's solved. And then you don't have to, uh, you know, you, your life is fine. <laughs> um, no, but, but what, we're, but what we're, we're saying is any kind of conversation, any kind of modeling that you do, asking yourself a question, telling them what you do for yourself when you're, you know, not conscious of your social media is a good thing. It's not going to be perfect, but 
it goes a long way. It does go a long way. And I think that one of the things that you'll notice in these role plays is a lot of times we're alluding to a prior conversation because in the moment teaching is not very effective, as you know. If you haven't already talked about the fact that your back starts to hurt or you have these physical cues or whatever pre-conversation you can have when you're not in the moment. And that way, when you're in the moment with your child, you can allude back to it because most of these teachings just won't work in the moment. Yeah, that's true. That's true. This is the time to, you know, the time to practice is when it's not a crisis. If you wait for the crisis, it's, that's not the time. That's too late. Just take note of the crisis and then come back, come back later. You know, this is a complex conversation and it's something that is ongoing and it'll be ongoing in my head. I know that uh, on the way back because I'm going to think about it before I pick up my phone, which will be in you know, probably a minute and a half. <laughs> well, we have some but, exciting things because a lot of times we do these podcasts and people are like, hey, is there a follow-up product or is there something else that we can listen to or hear? So I want to make sure that you guys all know, of course, our GoZen programs are available at GoZen.com. But for for this conversation in particular, you may already know this, but one of our favorite tools for talking to kids about any topic is storytelling. And the producer of our show, Lee Kreklow, is an amazing storyteller as well. He works with GoZen and he creates these beautiful stories. So we make these kits for kids and teens, and every kit includes a short story on a particular topic, as well as discussion questions and worksheets. They're like mental wellness lessons in this neat little package. So we actually have one of these kits on social media use, and the story in the kit is called Bam Knee, and it's kind of sci-fi. It's really cool. It's a little freaky, um, but it's totally <laughs> awesome. We're going to play a little clip of it for you. Yeah, so it's creepy and it's haunting, but it's great. And it's a, what it is, is it's a beautiful conversation starter for teenagers and their mobile devices. And uh, the story is about mobile, you basically becoming one with your mobile device, right? And having them implanted <laughs> right into your body. So as I said, it's a little freaky. And we've rated it GZ14. So really for kids like 14-ish and above. But let me play a little short clip of that for you right now. The device looked sick and twisted before it was installed. It was draped over the installation table, which was the same type of table used for examinations at the doctor's office. The suit was see-through, but not really. Kind of in a milky way, like molted snakeskin. The installer held it up for us to inspect before the procedure. What are those needles in the neck of the suit? my dad asked. Just some of the connections, the installer explained. Some of them are inputs, where the brain sends information to BAMNI. Others are outputs, BAMNI sending information back to the user. Then these right here, he said, running his gloved finger over a set of longer needles. These are the SD injectors. They'll go right into the back of the skull. Safely, of course. SD? What the heck is SD? Dad! I yelled, mortified. It's okay, the installer said to me. These are good questions. SD is synthetic dopamine. Dopamine is a chemical messenger in your brain that's partly responsible for pleasure. Dopamine is released naturally when you get rewards, and we know that using standard forms of social media cause such releases. When someone likes your selfie, the brain releases dopamine, everything feels great. I don't selfie, my dad replied. 
Well, people who do know it feels good to be liked. Bamney is just kicking things up a notch. My mom scrunched up her face like she always does when she's confused. The resulting wrinkles were so deep you could hide a penny in them. Isn't dopamine responsible for addiction, too? It is, but this is different. Different how? Well, this is synthetic. Ah, yes, of course, that makes sense. The wrinkle face remained. She was still confused, but she was trying not to embarrass me, unlike my dad. How the heck does her brain know how to talk to this thing? Dad! It's okay. Everyone needs to understand. The installer kept trying to reassure me, but I just wanted my parents out of the room now. The installer went on. The science is simple, really. The brain changes and adapts, especially at these younger ages, he said, gesturing at me. Natural pathways are still being formed, so it's important to tap into her now. Her brain will figure out this new way of operating in no time. Now my dad took the suit from the installer's hands. He held it up to the light. How is her body supposed to grow when it's on? Well, it probably won't. Bamney fully acknowledges that the device will restrict some growth and development. They recommend taking a break and having the suit removed in about a year. Give her body a chance to catch up. It'll be time for an upgrade by then anyway. Bamney Plus is already in the works. Uh, I just don't know about any of this. Dad! I understand. But if you folks would like to just step outside, we can get started. Okay, so you probably see what I mean by a little bit creepy, but totally awesome. (laughs) So if you're interested in getting that kit, you can go to gozen.com forward slash social media. We would also love to see you on gozen.com in general. Sign up for our newsletter and we give lots of free stuff. And also Ed wants to talk to you guys about sending us in stuff. Now, if you or your child have an issue that you want to share with us, completely anonymous, you can do it in a couple of ways. You can write in. You can write in to us. You can send something to gozen.com forward slash dear anxiety. You can write in. You can also record something on your phone. Whether it's you or your child can record something and send it to us and we will play it. We'll certainly listen to it. And you can send it in the same place, right? Gozen.com forward slash Dear Anxiety. There's a submission form there. Whether it's a recording or something written, you can send it. You can also send in your questions. Anything that you want to talk about, we want to talk to you. And let's hear from you because I got to tell you, there's something very uh, exciting has happened. We were, well, Rini, why don't you tell them? We hit new and noteworthy on iTunes. It's a special category. I have no idea how the algorithm works. I think it's a super secret, but we don't really care. (laughs) We're very excited. We know it has something to do with you guys who are listening. So thank you so much. And if you're listening, please send this to anyone else that you think is interested. And if you have dropped us a review, thank you so much. And if you haven't, those are so meaningful to us because it means that we can reach more people. So if you go to iTunes or if you're listening on Google Play, then you you can leave a review there and you know hit us up with some five stars that would be amazing that would be great you can go to bit.ly bit.ly forward slash dear anxiety on itunes or google play or you can find us on stitcher you can find us everywhere where podcasts are and you know maybe at some point we'll take some calls from you 
because we'd love to interact more with you. Maybe we'll come to your house. Um, <laughs> you know, actually physically come to your, come house. To your house. Don't freak people out. Okay, it's not going to pop up through house. your window. <laughs> no, I won't. I won't. And, and and if I do, I'll get off my phone because I want to see you and not be on That's my right. phone. That's right. Take, take a deep breath. Rini, thank you. Always a pleasure. Always a pleasure. Thank you, Ed. Thank you for being my my mom in a good way. Yeah, I'm always your um, mom in those scenarios. We're going to mix that up next time, okay? <laughs> I will be yes, your mom. Yes, please next do. Time. Be my mom. Okay. <laughs> okay. So, so keep coming back. It works if you work it. Thanks for listening to Dear Anxiety. We'll talk to you next Thanks, week. Thanks, guys.